0: You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. We started last year, this dive into the word deep, an acronym that stands for discipleship, engagement, evangelism, and prayer. And this year we decided to carry that over and go deeper, say deeper. Deeper. We're going to go deeper into those things, and I believe that God wants to unleash us into maturity when it comes to these things, right? Because if we can learn to pray, if we can be engaged in the things of the Spirit, if we can learn the beauty of evangelism and discipleship, this church and your life will never be the same. So today, I want to focus you on evangelism, one of the E's in deep, and I want to talk to you about how to share Jesus the sacrifice, and the supernatural. Now, let me say this before we pray. You may be thinking, I know how to share Jesus. But here's what I know. There are a lot more people that need to hear Jesus. So we can do a much better job of sharing Jesus. And my hope today is to give you all the resources and information so when you share Jesus, you share him with confidence. Amen? Amen? So today, Lord, we thank you for your message. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and real. We ask today you would speak to us. Lord, speak through me. May I be your conduit today. Lord, we lift up the other churches in this city. Conduit Church, Church of the City. Lord, we thank you for Connection Hill. We thank you for Thompson Station Church. Lord, for the countless churches that are proclaiming your gospel, may they and their pastors be filled with power, love, and provision and protection. Lord, today I pray Psalms 143.8. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust Make me, know, make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. How many know that public speaking is difficult? How many would throw up if I've asked you to come up and preach today? The reality is, is it is, some people say, before death or after death when it comes to the level of fear in their life. That's how hard it is. For some of you, it would be no problem. But really, the reality is, is public speaking is about knowing what you're speaking about. Most people are afraid to speak because they're not sure they're gonna speak clearly or educated or even speak the right things. I remember as a kid, I was in Christian school. Anybody shout out to Christian school, anyone? Come on now, I made it out. We made it out, just two of us, that's it, the rest of you. God bless you. I was in Christian school and they sent your boy to the mall to do an interview with people walking in the mall and asking them about Jesus. I was scared to death. I, I wanted to just take an F on that one. I was like, look, we'll just let's just call it quits. I'm done. I'm done. I was scared as a kid. I was like, I'm not gonna bug people while they're shopping at Journeys. I'm not gonna do that. Or merry-go-round. Anybody remember Merry Go Round? <laughs> Come on, Brandy, I know you do, wearing Z Cavaricis. Anybody? Is this just a New Jersey thing? Come on, Eric, did you not wear that? No? Okay, all right, he looked at me strangely. Maybe that was a South Jersey thing, not a New York thing. Anyway, I digress. The reality is, is our fear isn't so much talking, hear me, as it is making sure that we are what we're saying is correct. I guarantee you, if I found something you were passionate about, we would have no problem you sharing, and some of you, we'd have to take the mic from you because you'd start preaching. Josie and Miss Sally Ann, Miss Sally Ann, was Josie here? I don't know if she's here. She's in California. Josie and Sally Ann are the quintessential, and I'm gonna throw Donna in there as well, the Italian grandmom. Now listen, if you haven't had any other food, you're missing something here the reality is, is if you were to ever ask, how do you make a nice, a meat ball sandwich, or if it's gravy or sauce, they would be sure to tell you what you need to know. See, it's because they're passionate. Where's Dan? Where's your husband, Dan? Is he around here? He's probably defending the evil. There he is, defending evil. Dan Christie, if you don't know it or not, not only is he an IT master, but he is a connoisseur of the old ways of basketball. So if you wanna know about why this basketball season is not nearly as good as back in the day Dan could talk your ear off because he's passionate about basketball Miss Sherry anybody know Miss Sherry come on Miss Sherry she's not the most boisterous person but and she would hate the fact that I'm even saying her name but if you asked her to tell us about her grandkids and how much they love Jesus she'll go on and on and on because she loves her grandkids and where's Chris there he is Chris Chris the amazing drummer this man right here oh wow okay Chris Okay, Chris, this man, if we want to talk about funk music and jazz music, come on now. He is ready to share some of the greatest. The reality is, whether it's your kids, whether it's your job, whether it's your major at college, whether it's your favorite musician or actor, or even the latest shoe drop, whatever it is you're passionate about, you will share freely. My goal today is to let you know that that's how we should feel about sharing Jesus. It should be on the tip of our tongue. And the world will try to silence you and tell you, just keep your mouth shut. The world's going to tell you that this is offensive to talk about Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, we have no other problem of saying any other religion, saying any other thing. But as soon as the name of Jesus comes, we got to be quiet. It's the only name we curse by. Amen. Interesting. Ed Trout would say it all the time. We don't say Harry Krishna or old Muhammad when we stub our toe, but we say Jesus. Wow. Interesting. Here's the deal. I want to give you basics today from Romans 10. If you would turn your Bibles to Romans 10, so that when we share Jesus, we share with confidence, authority, and clarity. My goal in this church and in this city is that every person would have an opportunity to receive Jesus. And we are the mouthpiece. Amen? Amen. Paul is writing in Romans 10. I'm going to start here in verse 1. We're going to go through the whole chapter today. Brothers, This is Paul writing after his third missionary journey. He spent three months in Greece and somewhere between the winter and spring of 55, 58 AD, he wrote Romans. And he was thinking about Jerusalem. He was thinking about his Jewish people. He was writing this and trying to implore them with zeal. See, most Jews today, in fact, in the nation of Israel, many of them do not believe in Jesus. In fact, it would be offensive if you were to come up to most Jews and start talking to them about their Savior, Jesus. In fact, most Jews today in Israel actually don't follow the Jewish customs. They're stepping away from the religion in general. But Paul is imploring them. And here's the deal. Paul was zealous. Can we say, as Paul was Saul, many of you know he was Saul first, got converted on the road to Damascus. Saul, Paul, was very zealous. That's an understatement. He wanted to kill every Christian under the sun. In fact, he was so cold hearted that when they were stoning Stephen, he would hold the coats of those stoning them. Paul had an encounter. But let me just say this, that same zeal that he had as Saul was still in him, but now is directed to advance the gospel. It was not to shut down the Christians, but to raise up Christians. So he didn't care. I mean, he was in jail. He was shipwrecked. He was on an island hanging with, with, with snakes against his, off his arm. He did it all. And the reality is Paul knew what he was talking about. So he was imploring them. See, zeal can be good, but it can also be dangerous if it's not based on truth. There's a lot of people zealous in the world today, but zeal directed in the truth of the word of God is powerful. Let's keep reading. Verse five, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that a person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. It's God's righteousness. Let me say this to you. God's righteousness is something you receive, you don't earn it. It's done for you, not by you. Come on now. Jesus is the end of the law. He fulfilled the law. Yes, we still honor the law. We we don't murder. We don't covet. These are things that are built into our laws as a humanity. But the reality is Jesus came to fulfill the law. You can't earn salvation. There's nothing you can do. Some religions say if you pray this much And if you do this many things or you walk door to door and witness, all these things could get you into heaven. But Jesus said, I took care of it for you. You can't earn it. You can just receive it. See, that's the news that Paul was trying to say, is there's no works that you can do, people of Israel. You must just learn to receive the love and the power of Jesus. See, the law of Moses was a tutor. Paul says this in Galatians 3. He says, it's like a schoolmaster it leads you to Christ but once you come to Christ you don't need the tutor anymore now you have the master there it's like training wheels as an adult if you're riding down the street with training wheels on your bike you probably learned to ride the bike later in life at some point you got to take the things off and the reality is is when we look at riding a bike i don't have to think okay put your feet on the pedals put your hand on the handlebars, and now you got to, no, it's because you get used to being in relationship with the bike. See, as we get to know the creator and Jesus, the one who gave us everlasting life, we don't have to earn his love. We just have to sit in relationship with him because he already did it. It's already done, and we just have to receive it. Can I get one amen in this place today? Come on, let's keep reading. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved Come on now, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction, hallelujah, between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord to all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come on, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. I don't know where your theology is based. There are people that believe that God has predestined certain people to come to know him. Or maybe you believe that everyone can get in if they confess Jesus as Lord. But let me just say this to you as people that want to share the gospel. It's not for us to wait and say, well, God's got this already dealt with. I'll just sit back and let him do it. No, you are his mouthpiece. You are his voice. So regardless of how you view scripture, know this, there's a job to do. And it's called to witness and share the good news with everyone. Say everyone. Everyone. Give everyone an opportunity to say yes or no. It's their choice. You can't stop sharing. Let's keep going. Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I'm here to tell you, don't get this twisted. It's not the preacher's job to preach the gospel. It's everyone who's been filled with Jesus. So you can turn to someone next to you and tell them right now, look at their feet and say, look how beautiful your feet are. Just tell them. Tell them. It's creepy, it's weird, but it's biblical. Follow me here. Now, if we did this in the summertime, it'd be a different story. Because some of your feet need to be put into, into, into socks and thrown into a shoe. Nobody wants to see that. How beautiful are the feet of all of you who proclaim the good news. See, we used to think, church, sometimes we come to church thinking, if I can get my coworker to church, that pastor will share a message of salvation and they'll get saved. And then that Sunday, Pastor Mark's talking on tithing, and I'm like, son of a gun all the weeks. You had to talk on that. See, it's not my job to lead them to Jesus. It's all of us together. You can have an encounter with Jesus in your office place. You can have an encounter with Jesus in the hallways of your school. He's saying everyone who confesses Jesus has now been given the mandate to preach the good news. John 20, 21, Jesus said this. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Turn to somebody next He say, he's sending you and your beautiful feet. I just don't like feet. I like using them to walk. I just don't want to see people's feet. I just, my wife knows that. Anyway, I love her feet. Her feet are beautiful, of course. That's why I married her. I said, show me your feet. All right, we can get married. It sounds weird. It's starting to get really weird in here. Yeah, this is the one that's on the video too. Amen. Unbelievable. I'm just reading scripture. Verse 16. Let's keep going. Let's get out of here. Verse 16. Next verse. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. It's not just talking. It's the faith you put into action when you hear the word of God. See, faith comes by hearing truth. Say truth. Amen. Not conspiracy theories. Come on, not myths. Not theories we think, not fake news, not hearsay, not any of that. It comes by hearing the word of God. So what do we have to do as Christians? Know the word of God. We can, Listen, I grew up in church and there were things that I believed that God had to tell me that's not in the Bible. There's things that you believe that you think is truth because the reality is our truth is sometimes different than the truth. Let me say that again because John 8, 32 says says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Our truth is not always the same as the truth because there are people in this place today, you feel like you are not beautiful. You feel like you're a mistake. Some of you think you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too dumb, you're too smart. I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but that is a truth that you believe and you operate from that truth. You dress in accordance to that truth you talk in the way of truth. You believe that. You look in the mirror, you see your truth. But scripture says in Psalms 138, it says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That in he saw you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. He made you perfect in his image. So your truth and his truth don't coincide. See, that's about identity in Christ. Hear me here because many of you need to know that you think God is saying this, but until you really know what he's saying, you're operating in a false narrative. That's why it's hard to witness. That's why it's hard to share. Because every time you share, you feel condemned. You feel like I'm sharing. If I, if I don't share, I won't get to heaven. Maybe some of you have come from a Catholic background. I, my parents were raised in a Catholic background. And it's sometimes you feel like, I got to earn this. I got to repent to a person in a box. And they'll give me repentance. And I'll pray through some beads. And know this, that God covers a multitude of sins. That's a truth. So even though you may sin, God still forgives you every time. You don't have to earn forgiveness. It's freely given to you. See, I'm trying to infuse you with truth so when you talk to people, you don't have to second guess, does God love me before you tell someone God loves you? In a marriage relationship with my beautiful wife over here, there are things sometimes that we'll believe about each other that aren't true. You know this. Anybody married, you know this, right? That's how fights start, right? You said this, and I didn't mean that, right? Those are truths to us that aren't true. And if we don't get healed, if our hearts don't get healed, listen to me, you will filter truth through your hurt. Come on now, through your perception. Come on now, through your understanding and your limited information. So when you share something, It sounds like truth coming out of your mouth to you, but really filtered through your hurt, it's not truth to him. And this is why the church has gotten in trouble for all these years. Because we preach things about God that are not his heart. The reality is the more we get in relationship with him, the more we know him, the easier it is to convey his heart. There's probably nobody on this planet that understands my wife more than me. Now, I understand her, and still, we still miscommunicate. So it's a work in progress. Paul is saying faith comes from hearing. You got to hear the word of God. Hear through the word of Christ. This is Christ speaking. Let's keep going. Verse 18. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, And their words to the end of the world. But I asked, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Israel is so bold to say, I've been found by those who did not seek me. I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But but of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Paul is saying, listen, people of Israel, my Jews, my fellow countrymen, you're not getting this. You're so, you're, so, you're so disobedient to the word of God. But meanwhile, God has poured out his spirit on all, and these Gentiles are having encounters with him. Can we thank the Lord that God poured out his spirit and grafted us into the vine, that those of us that are not of Jewish heritage, that we can come into the house of the Lord and freely Call him father because he has allowed us. So Paul is saying, and he's quoting Moses. He's quoting Isaiah. He's saying, look, it was told to you. You're going to get angry of other nations and other people groups because they're coming on board. In fact, some of the early Christians that were Jews were getting angry. We've talked about this as we read read some of Paul's letters. They were upset with Paul because they're like, how do they get all this free pass too? How many know, thank you, Jesus, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how do we learn more about sharing Jesus? There are five W's, which are questions whose answers are considered basic information, gathering it, whether it's journalism or research or police investigations. We ask them all the time, who, what, when, where, why, and sometimes, there you go. So I thought, let's go basic today. Let's just talk about Jesus from that standpoint. Who, number one, is Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God who came to save humanity. Jesus is mentioned in almost every other religion. Did you know that? Some of it, he's a prophet. For some, he's a good guy. But let me tell you this. There's only one Jesus, and he is the Son of God And he is the son of God who came to save you and me. He's not just a friend. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good person. He's not just somebody that walked around back in the old days. He is the son of God. That in first and foremost must be stated. Because nothing else from that point on will launch and make sense until we establish he is God. He is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There was a man that I know that was in the city who preached uh, years ago. We were in relationship together, a bunch of us pastors. And uh, recently, over the co- course of maybe a few years, uh, he just completely denounced Jesus. And so one of my buddies, actually a few of our buddies, we were on a, on a text thread, and these are all pastors that served in the city. Some of them still here. Some of them have moved on to other places to serve. And we started a conversation. Uh, my friend said, have you seen his post? And his post was talking about how Jesus never existed. He was just an idea. And that every religion has a Jesus Savior type. And every one of those religions is right. You can figure it out yourself. And my friend who loves Jesus, just said, I, I felt the Holy Spirit giving me words to speak. So I went on there and I, I typed something on Facebook and he got back to me. And it started a dialogue. I started thinking about my friend and how far he's strayed away from the faith. And I wondered to myself, did he really know Jesus? Because how can you say there is no Jesus and have an encounter with Jesus? And, 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 and how do you reconcile those two things? Friends, I'm here to tell you there are people that call themselves pastors that confess this, but don't walk with God. Paul talks about this all in the New Testament. He calls them false teachers and prophets. And I'm telling you, we need to know who Jesus is in order to know where he is. Who is Jesus? Paul says in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Let me say this to you. We love Jesus the Savior, but sometimes we have problems with Jesus the Lord. Come on now. We want him to save us out of this mess. Last night... The whole city of Jacksonville was praying in that football game. Anybody see that football game? We got to get out of this. The Chargers are beating us. They were praying. They needed a savior. And the reality is, is we all need a savior for something. But how many of us really need a Lord? And that's what he is. Paul says he's Jesus is Lord. That means that everything about you has to be submitted to him. He needs to rule and reign over everything. Your finances, your relationships. Come on now, that thing that you don't want anybody else to know about. Your addictions. He needs to be Lord over that. You need to give him Lord over every thought so he holds it captive. When he becomes Lord, he changes your life. So it's easy to cry out to God when we're in a mess. God, please get me out of this. Jesus, Jesus, I need a savior. But how many of us really need a Lord? Because when he becomes a Lord, we find ourselves in less messes. Paul is saying, Jesus is Lord. What? What did he do? What did Jesus do? Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus is seated in heavenly places. Paul says this in Romans 9 again, Romans 10 verse 9. God raised him from the dead. His death destroyed sin. His resurrection gave us victory and his ascension gave us power. Jesus was fully man and fully God. He had to be both because if he was fully man, guess what would happen? His sacrifice, if he was fully God, his sacrifice would have been easy and it would be unconvincing. If he was fully man, he would have been like any other martyr. There would have been no power to atone for your sins. But when you combine his manhood and his Godhead, he becomes everything we need to take care of every sin that we commit. He was part of a rescue plan designed from heaven for humanity. Who? What? When? When did he do it? We believe in scripture and timelines that he died on a cross in 33 AD. But let me say this to you. He reset time. Some of you don't know this, but 2023 is actually the time stamp is actually indicative on the life of Jesus. That's how prominent he is. That's how important he is. Whether you confess Jesus or not, you confess his livelihood by every time you put a date or a year on things that you write. Come on now. Time was reset. Did you know that? There's a BC and an AD. Some of you don't know. this. maybe young people. I don't know if they teach this. BC was before Christ. AD was Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. So Jesus did things. When did he do it? He did it in perfect timing. Everything that Jesus did was on time. There are conservatively 300 prophetic words about a Savior in the Old Testament. Some people believe there could be anywhere up to 574 prophetic words and Jesus fulfilled them all not only fulfilled them all, but in the proper timing. Jesus is never late. He's always on time. So when did he do it? Exactly when he needed to do it. Come on. Where did this take place? This took place on earth. God came down from heavenly places and came and put on an earth suit so he could be our atonement for our sin. Come on. It starts in Bethlehem, a lowly beginning, in a manger where animals would eat out of. Paul acknowledged that this started originally to rescue the Jews, but then it spread out to every person that confesses Jesus Christ. It ends in Jerusalem with both the Jewish leaders and the Roman government coming together to sentence and kill an innocent man that was without sin, Hebrews 4.15. It took place on a cross, a death designed for sinners and thieves. He was traded for a convicted murderer, he was betrayed, denied, and doubted by his closest friends and those who gave him his most time too. He was placed in a tomb. He rose from the grave and the leaders paid off the people to keep their mouths shut. But guess what? Today Christianity is all throughout the world. There are people in persecuted nations still believing, still seeing people come to know Jesus. There are Muslims around the world that are having visions of a man in white presenting himself in love to those people to say, who is this person? Who is this? Finding that Jesus is the savior ultimately what they tried to keep under wraps they tried to keep in a tomb they tried to nail to a cross has spread globally and is ruling and reigning on the right hand of god today that is where this took place the last one is why why did jesus do this paul says this in romans 10 verse 11 everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me read this to you. He did this, why? To defeat sin and shame for our future in hell to fulfill the law and the prophetic words about him, to pay the cost of separation between man and God, to give us an inheritance of being sons and daughters of the king, to allow us guaranteed right to live with him in heaven for eternity. He did this for you. Ooh, if that doesn't get you excited, I have a how. How do we do this? Who, what, when, where, why, and how? How do we respond? Simple. Paul says this in verse 15. He says this, preach the good news. Preach this good news. Do you know back in the day when I Heart Spring Hill was a good place to kind of hang out in? (laughs) Back when they used to share good news. (laughs) Like that was the place you would go find out the good restaurant because you would eat at a restaurant and go, woo, this was good. I need to tell people about it. Or maybe you found a deal at Publix or or, or Target and you had to get on. I got to tell people about this. That's what we need to do today. We have found the greatest deal in history. We have found the greatest discount for sin. We have discovered the greatest place to be filled with hope. And that's Jesus. And so it should just be natural for us to share the gospel. Do not be Be fearful, friends, when people tell you keep your mouth shut because we have an obligation to share the good news because we never know who will say that was what I needed at the right time, in the right place, in the right point of history. In my life, I needed a Savior. Listen, our response is to share the story. We are to live in freedom and we are to exude the power of his resurrection. Now, I have good news for you because many of you say it's still tough. Pastor Mark, it's still tough. It's sh- hard to share the gospel because people have denied. They, they've told me, stop sharing Jesus. I get online. I post things about my meal. I get 400 likes. As soon as I say Jesus is a good person, I get two. Let me tell you something. This is where the gospel and the supernatural partner together. Let me, t- let me say this to you because many people think the gospel is what I just talked to you about. The gospel is the full story. It doesn't end when Jesus resurrects and ascends to heaven. It actually just begins. The gospel of Acts is the church. It's you. It's continuing. It's the power. It's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit came that you might have power to share the gospel. You can't share the gospel with with any eloquence unless the Holy Spirit comes upon you because Peter, who was such a numbskull, can we just say that? The dude just constantly did stupid things, comes out of an encounter with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and preaches the most amazing salvation message that 300 people give their lives to Jesus on the spot. How did Peter do that and deny Jesus just a few days earlier? How did he do that? Because the power of the Holy Spirit filled him and gave him words that he had not on his own. I want you to understand the gospel without the supernatural Holy Spirit is only part of the love story of Jesus. The supernatural without the gospel is a powerless show that quickly becomes about us doing the work. But when you partner the two together, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're not separate. Come on, they're three in one. God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, he equips you. See, it's not by your works that you are saved, but when you are saved, there's an obligation to get to work. You didn't just get saved so I can go, check off that list, I'm going to heaven. You got saved so that you can ignite your block. You can ignite your family. You can ignite your workers. You can ignite your school. It's what we're called to do. That fire that came down from heaven was to set you ablaze so that the people around you catch on fire in the process. See, the Holy Spirit has empowered you that you can preach the gospel. You can just be as eloquent as Peter was or Paul was or, dare I say, even Jesus because Jesus says you'll do even greater things than I. He's fully ready to back away so that you can run with the baton to see great things happen on this earth. That's the gospel. See, when the grave opened up, guess what happened? All the power and the authority that had been separated from you from the moment the sin entered in the garden with Adam, it was released back in to every person that confesses Jesus. That authority, that power, that dunamis, that excitement, that Holy Spirit igniting, it came upon you. It tore the veil. It raised dead people from the grave. There were encounters with Jesus. And that same power that was released from the grave is now in you. And it's in this place. And it's in this... Listen, in the first service, one of our elders had a, had a mess, something going on in his back. He had something happening. He came up here and got healed. That's just normal. It's normal. Things like that happen because the power of Jesus is in this place. And let me just say this to you today. Those of you that have gifts of hospitality, guess what? That's your ministry. Because Jesus, what did he do? He fed them and he healed them. And he released the kingdom to them. So you want to witness Give a good tip today at lunch. Come on, you want to witness? Be gracious with your speech. Share Jesus through your actions. And here's the cool thing about it. Jesus very rarely healed people the same way twice. Why? Because he didn't want any patterns to be formed. As soon as he started spitting in eyes, we'd have a spitting in eyes service here. Come on up here. We'll spit in your eyes. You'll get healed. We would. That's how crazy Christians are. Come on now. Some of you be cutting holes in roofs just to drop down your friend to get healed. We'd start doing that. We'd have to patch roofs every week. Because that's what we're looking for. How do I do this? You do it out of relationship. You do it out of the unction of the Holy Spirit. See, testifying of Jesus should be natural. I'm telling you right now, you want to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles? We can go to it. Let's do it. Why? Because I'm passionate. But I'm telling you, that's how passionate, if not more, we need to be about Jesus. Nothing will silence me. Come on now. I've learned I will not silence. People need Jesus more than they know. So if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. Let me give you some more scripture. John three sixteen, verse 16 through 20. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For anyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with what? Gentleness and respect. Can I just say that again? Gentleness. Come on, church. We need to be a gentle and respectful people that people see the hope in you. Say, I don't know how you made it through 2020. I have a hope in me that surpasses any earthly understanding. And that hope is easily and freely given. Let's talk about it. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer every person. Don't be harsh, don't be evil, don't have vitriol when you speak, but be gracious and let it be seasoned with salt. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Are you putting out good works? Do people look at you and go, that person is full of good works because that is a way to testify of who he is. Romans 1 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, And also to the Greek. It's the power. I'm not ashamed. Matthew 28. Come on, I'm just reading just a few scriptures to fire you up. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he gave it to you. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, guess what? I'm with you. I'm with you. Always. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to let you fail. And if they deny me, they're not denying you. Let me remind you, you're not a savior, and you don't lead people to salvation. you lead them to Jesus, and Jesus leads them to salvation. He's the one who died. He's the one who paid up costs. All you have to do is say, extra extra, read all about it. I got good news. And I'm going to tell you about it. Come on now. Mark 16:15: Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Isaiah 43.10 and you are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. Acts 1.8 you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. Spring Hill, Columbia. Franklin. Williamson County. Come on, you're going to be my witnesses in the state of Tennessee. Some of you are going to witness all across this nation. And many of you, you're going to witness globally because I've given you the power and the testimony of my son Jesus. Today, Holy Spirit, as we step into communion, I thank you, Lord, that as we commune with you, you remind us who we are in you, in Christ. For many of us in this room, we feel ill-equipped. We don't feel like we have the power or even the words, the eloquency to share the gospel. But good news, you have placed your spirit inside of us. And I break the spirit of fear that may be over us. I pray that we would be bold, people. Be filled with your power. That we'd be so in love with you that we we couldn't stop. We couldn't help ourselves to sharing the gospel with other people. Jesus, I pray for revival in this city. Those that don't know you will come running to the altar saying, what must I do to be saved? Those that don't know you will run in school to people that do know you and say, lead me to the Jesus that is obviously inside of you. I need the peace that passes all understanding. That's the Jesus that we commune with today. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.